Yeah, I was going to say, like, might need to phone a friend to, like, get someone to come up and finish the sermon, but all good. God will provide. Um, one way or another. So good. So wanted to share some things I've been thinking about a little bit as a kind of entry point to the sermon this evening. So um, who here has heard of Brene Brown? And overwhelmingly the church said, amen. Um, so I've been thinking about this. Brené Brown, for those of you who don't know, is a researcher and an author and a speaker who effectively does a lot of research about what makes or breaks human connection. And I was listening to a podcast of hers about a month ago, and she was talking about how um, something she's found consistently in her research is that the people who are the most compassionate people, who live really compassionately, compassionately, are um, also the people that have really strong boundaries. And I thought that was quite interesting. And she describes a boundary as effectively communicating um, with someone simply what's okay and what's not okay, and then kind of placing that, that down as a kind of rule to live by. So effectively, a boundary is kind of like a rule. And so I've been thinking about this relationship between rules and compassion that has have come up in this lady's research. And then I've been thinking about how um, in the last couple of months, we as a church community have been exploring this um, biblical theme of freely receive and freely give. So we've been talking about how um, God is so lavish with compassion and pours that out upon us, invites us to receive abundant compassion and live um, in God's love, and then how we are called to give that compassion and that love away to others. So we are poured into by God, and then we are called to be people that are poured out for others. And as part of this series of, of Freely Give, um, Max gave a talk a few, few weeks back, and um, part of the passage he was talking on was Matthew 10, around um, losing your life to find it in Jesus. And he gave this definition, which has kind of been um, just, it was just so succinct. I was like, man, to be that succinct. I'm just going to bring that back up again um, to, to refresh for us. So gave this de definition, which is, we will know we have lost our life when we are no longer at the centre, but Jesus is at the centre. And because of that, our lives inevitably become about others. So I'm going to say that again. We will know we have lost our life when we are no longer at the centre, but Jesus is at the centre, and because of that, our lives inevitably become about others. And so I've been thinking about these two phenomena. On the one hand, you've got um, this idea of boundaries and kind of um, saying what's okay and what's not okay, and that being part of um, living a compassionate life in a, a sustainable kind of ongoing way. And then we have this um, radical call of Jesus and the gospel to lose your life to find it and to um, pour out your life for others and to not just do this as a kind of one-off thing but to do this daily to to have your heart broken to have um, yourself kind of moved to compassion um, and to act out of that and to say again and again um, yes Jesus I will follow you today and so yeah I've been thinking about these two ideas and I guess the relationship between rules and how we go about living our lives and compassion. So that is some of where my headspace has been. And then lo and behold, the um, 
lectionary reading for this week is about um, Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Like literally Jesus healing someone specifically at a time when all of the rules around him say this is not the time to be doing such a thing. Um, and so this stand is good but like slightly too low so I'm just going to hold this. Um, so the lectionary reading was from Luke 13 which is a story of a woman who um, is kind of bent over like really really hunched over and Jesus um, heals her and she's kind of physically and spiritually um, kind of set free in this experience and I was reading in the footnotes in, the, in my bible and noticed that actually there are so many times where Jesus um, heals people on the Sabbath like this is a reoccurring thing that happens many many times and um, started reading those other stories about where, where this occurs and so there's one that I'm going to share with you which is actually from Luke's gospel in chapter 6 um, <clears throat> so yeah listen listen in on another Sabbath day Jesus was teaching in the synagogue in the room was a man with a deformed right hand everyone watched Jesus closely especially the Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath day and they were all watching closely because this is this thing that Jesus kind of does what he shouldn't on the Sabbath. For they were eager to find a reason to accuse him of breaking the Jewish laws. Jesus, knowing their every thought, said to the man with the deformed hand, Hey, come stand here in the middle of the room. And so the man got up and he came forward. Jesus said to all who were there, Let me ask you a question. Which is better, to heal or to harm on the Sabbath? I have come to save a life, but you have come to find a life and destroy it. One by one, Jesus looked at every person in the eye around the room. And then he said to the man, stretch out your arm and open your hand. With everyone watching intently, he stretched out his arm and his hand was completely healed. The room erupted with bitter rage because of the Sabbath day healing. And from that moment on, the religious leaders plotted amongst themselves about how they might harm Jesus. So this is quite interesting. We see this action of healing from Jesus. And it was healing that happened in a way that was offensive to the people around him. It was offensive because it was breaking some rules that these people held. The gatekeepers to those rules were the Jewish leaders. That's what we read in this story. And Jesus has crossed a boundary for them. He has crossed a threshold where they said, no, that's not okay. It's not okay to do that. So Jesus kind of smashes straight through um, their boundary around that. <laughs> they were quite offended, and they start plotting to hurt him, which is quite a full-on response, really, um, to having your kind of boundaries stretched. And to understand why they responded in such a full-on way, um, understand the, the significance of this. I think um, what can be really helpful for us is understanding the place of this particular rule um, for the Jewish people at that time. So there's this theologian, Tom Wright, and what he has to say about it is that for Jews in Jesus' world at this time, the Sabbath had become this kind of badge of Jewishness. It was like a, um, a symbolic flag of their identity. It, it spoke to them, um, it was a practice that spoke to them of the freedom that God 
had won them in the past. It, it spoke of the story of liberation out of slavery in Egypt, about the Exodus, about um, the creation narrative and, and the rest that God entered into in that. And it was this set of rules that they practiced because it, it marked them out as being God's special people. It was a, a way of practicing their specialness to God. So it was this thing that reminded them um, of the past, but it was also this thing they practiced looking to the future. It gave them hope for this great day of rest that would come, where God would finally come through and would liberate them from their oppressors. So we could ask, why would Jesus cut through this rule? Why would he just kind of blatantly push in there and assert that he's Lord over the Sabbath and just look at everybody in the eye, eyeball the people down in the synagogue, and then say, you know, what's better to do to, to heal and do harm, and then just heal the man? Like, what's, what's going on there with the sass from Jesus? And the reason for this is because this rule of Sabbath, um, this boundary that the people had um, kind of been practicing, had become a weapon. It had become this weapon um, in the world to be used against non-Jewish people and to be actually used against each other. This is the language that, that Tom Wright uses, a weapon. Practicing Sabbath had become this kind of um, exclusive act which um, identified them as special people and it had effectively become a form of nationalism, kind of like you'd imagine, um, I don't know, people like saluting the flag or whatever. It was like a, a practice that um, said, hey, we're the special people. And this rule of Sabbath had originally been intended to be this life-giving gift um, from God um, to God's children and to be a rule for them to live by. But it had got intertwined with their nationalism and it got um, kind of linked into this um, sense that they were a superior people um, and they were superior to the other people around them. So nationalism and religion become linked up and there's this kind of sense of judgment for people that don't practice Sabbath. But there's also this kind of sense of judgment around um, other Jewish people, like their fellow people. So it's not just good enough to be someone that practices the Sabbath. It's like, how well are you practicing the Sabbath? Are you meeting all these marks? And Sabbath stops becoming life-giving, and it becomes, I guess, a measuring stick to say, how good are you? Are you good enough? Do you measure up? No, you didn't quite do it good enough. And it... Um, yeah, it stops giving life and becomes a, a thing that kind of um, leverages power over people. It became a marking post which people could be graded against. So in this situation, um, what had started as a boundary about marking out time for rest, which is good, um, and remembering the promises of God has become this competitive, life-draining thing. And so I want to... Um, kind of just like paraphrase this into um, a context, which I think actually makes quite a lot of sense. If this is confusing, I think this makes sense. So I want to imagine this scene as um, an American teenage high school movie. So, you know, go to whatever comes to mind, like Mean Girls, you know, what else have we got? High School Musical. Thirteen Reasons Why. Thirteen Reasons Why. Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with it. So yeah, bring that. Bring that to mind. So in this kind of high school context, one way to think about this is that the religious leaders would have been the popular kids, 
And they would hang around setting trends and scorning at people that didn't live up to them. Their sense of coolness, of rightness, um, would be built upon making other people feel bad for not living up to their standards. It's this kind of insecure, competitive identity building that um, requires you to push someone down to build yourself up. Now, imagine Jesus. Jesus, you know, rolls in as like the new guy to the high school on the first day of term. And um, I'd imagine he'd sort of come in as a bit of a renegade and he'd be like really uncool, but kind of cool, you know, like how that always happens in those movies. Um, and so he'd show up and would be wear- he'd be breaking the rules and the standards that the cool kids have established. He'd be wearing the wrong clothes and saying the wrong stuff. But by doing that, he'd be generally exposing um, that all the cool kids stuff was just absolute BS. Like there's just, yeah, it would cut through it. And so in, in doing that, he'd undercut their power as the cool kids. He'd expose how flimsy and stupid the popular kid rules were in the first place. So that might help. So jumping back into kind of Palestine and Jesus' era um, and oppressed Jewish people and the Roman Empire, we see that in this context of um, the Sabbath and healing, to the rules that are used to leverage power off others um, that make you feel better about yourself and so doing, Jesus says no. To performance-based religion, Jesus says no. To exclusive nationalism, Jesus says no. To checklists that earn your way into God's good books, Jesus says no. To anything which prioritise rules over mercy, Jesus says no. So in this passage about his ministry, Jesus wasn't just challenging one or two rules. He didn't come just to edit a few of the rules of the people of the time. But he came to show a whole new way the way of God's kingdom, which was bursting forth in him. And so the first point I want to make tonight is that Jesus breaks the rules which harm in order to bring healing. In his kingdom, Jesus says that rule-keeping to push others down and build yourself up will get you nowhere. Leveraging your identity of how well, how well you can do things and either kind of holding on to that quietly or boasting about that loudly and kind of, I guess, flaunting those achievements over other people's, that's, that's not going to get you anywhere. This is something that kind of ties into what um, Jay was speaking about a few weeks ago, about um, kind of hitting the runs of success in modern life, where society kind of sets out um, all these targets for us to hit. Um, but that won't get us anywhere with God. And this is because Jesus says he's building a new kingdom which isn't built on performance. It's built on his sacrificial love, demonstrated in his death on the cross. And it's this love which invites people to enter into his kingdom. And so in tonight's passage, passage, Jesus isn't just breaking um, kind of old rules, but he's actually reasserting new boundaries of what is okay and what isn't. He's actually bringing in kind of a new way, a new order. He says to the people, which is better, to heal or to harm on the Sabbath? He exposes how their rules have become warped. And then he freely gives life to this man and he restores him. 
Jesus could have waited for the next day. Like it wasn't Sabbath the next day. He could have chosen to respond with compassion then, but he chose to be controversially merciful. And so point two is that Jesus says in his kingdom, there are ultimately two rules that matter. And the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Or we could paraphrase this back into um, the language we used earlier. The rules are to no longer have yourself at the center of your life, but rather to have Jesus. And to find, and secondly, to find that loving Jesus and having him at the center inevitably means your life becomes about loving others. And so jumping forward to what I said earlier about, about boundaries, um, I want us to consider that Jesus himself did have what we'd kind of call boundaries. Um, the point of this isn't to kind of be like to boundaries. Um, but yeah, so I just I just want us to kind of go with this a bit. So if you if you're reading the gospels, you will see that there were many points where Jesus had boundaries. So people would come up to him and say, Jesus, you have to stay here, you, you have to live in our town now. And he says, no, I've got other places to go. I've got other people to heal. I've got things to do. And even with his close friends, um, the disciples would be like, no, Lord, you can't go to your death. And he would be like, no, and re-explain to them, this is how it's going to be. You've got to go over here. And so Jesus is constantly demonstrating compassion, but he's not overrun by people pleasing to the point of inhibiting his ministry. Taking a look at the gospel stories, we can see that Jesus is clearly compassionate and clearly has times where he says, this is okay and this is not okay. So we can have both. He communicates that to people. He pushes against their boundaries and he asserts this kingdom rule of love, saying, no, no, you have this rule now, this new way. And so, as I say, I'm, I'm not here to rat on boundaries. I actually really advocate for honest communication um, and say what's okay and what's not okay. But I think that the story serves for us as a warning and as a reminder. And that reminder is that back in Jesus' day, the very people who were looking for his coming um, and thought they were living by the right rules actually didn't get it right. And so probably neither will we. The reminder is that we need Jesus' help to know what ways of living truly reflect a love for Jesus and a love for our neighbour. For those of you who were here last week, um, we had Brooke Turner here sharing with us for quite a while, and he, um, he talked about healing, <laughs> about how Jesus came as a healer um, and brought kind of social, physical healing to people, and that as followers of Jesus, we too are to become, I guess, agents of healing in the world. And in the story we read tonight, the religious leaders tried to put a rule in place to stop Jesus from healing this man. They tried to stop him because they felt it was inappropriate. They felt it was the wrong place, the wrong time. It threatened their identity. And we can um, look back on that story and be like, oh, how could they? Oh, isn't that terrible? Oh, how callous. But really, we've got our own blind spots. We've got our own... Um, rules that are inhibiting us 
from um, having Jesus at the centre of our lives and from living compassionately. There are little rules in each of us, I would contend, that are subtly working against the invitation of Jesus to be at the centre of our lives and for our lives to become about loving others. And this is probably actually quite a helpful definition of sin. Sin isn't a word that we kind of throw around that much here, largely because it's kind of become accumulated with a lot of baggage, which make it makes it quite like a unhelpful word because it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit hard for people to, to come to grips with. But as I was writing this, I was like, oh, yo, that's sin. Just like the, the little um, rules that we have that kind of point us in a different direction. And so if point one is that while he was here on earth, Jesus broke rules to bring healing, and if point two is that Jesus established his kingdom upon the, the ultimate rule of love, then point three is that for that kingdom to come, Jesus will need to break and remake the rules in our lives too, and that we need his help to do that. So I'm going to go through those three again. While he was here, Jesus broke rules to bring healing. He re-established new rules based on the ultimate rule of love. And that Jesus will want to break and remake rules in us for his kingdom to come in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so I just want to say that um, <clears throat> Jesus expects us to make decisions um, with our lives, to put down boundaries, to have rules that we follow, like always brush your teeth or whatever. Um, but, you know, we've got, to, we've got to be getting on with making decisions. Like we actually have been given ourselves and the agency of our lives. So we don't want to become paralyzed in this. He wants us to use our lives and to do stuff. Um, but we need to stay humble and we need to stay willing to listen to the prompting of the Spirit about where we've put down our boundaries, about what our rules are. And we need God's help to, I guess, expose the little rules that we're living by that are actually counter to the kingdom. A few years ago, I read this book um, called Packing Light, which is about these two women that go on a road trip around the USA for like a year. And it's just the two of them on a road trip. And so they lay down these kind of ground rules for their road trip so that they'll hopefully still be friends at the end of it. And um, kind of, you know rules that will protect the relationship and create good vibes. And um, there's a bunch of really like interesting reflections that um, come out of this book. But one of the ones that sticks with me the most, like five years later after reading this, is around the place of rules and how those work with relationships. So I'm just going to bring a couple of those thoughts here. So um, the woman that is, wrote the book says, rules give us a false sense of control. They make us feel like if we just follow them, we're sure to get the outcome we want. But it's not true. Rules are just rules. They're not relationship. That's kind of first thing. Second thing, when it comes to the rules we make, we need to never stop asking ourselves, what is the intent behind the rule we are following? And if it's accomplishing the objective. And so if the objective um, of I guess the kingdom life and the way that Jesus invites us into is a love of God and a love of others. Jesus coming into the center of our lives. We need to be kind of testing the rules we live by against that objective. 
And so, yeah, we need to stay remembering that, like the Jewish people, a rule that we start out with, it can start out healthy and life-giving. Um, it can be a thing that blesses others. It can be a thing that blesses us, just like the Sabbath was. But that if we don't stay alert and attentive, um, rules can take precedent over the person in front of us. Um, and we can end up kind of just blindly following them. And so, yeah, I just want to just... When I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, what a kind of, like, we don't really, I don't really think we think of ourselves as being like a really rule-laden society, but I think that we do have little rules, and it's, it's kind of a matter of exposing them. So here are some that I thought of. Never talk to strangers. I'll only be generous towards those who could pay me back. I'll say sorry if they do. I will trust my, with God, Lord. I will trust God with my finances after I've paid off my student loan. I can't be seen as weak. I can't ask for help. I have to pay my own way. I have to act in a way that will make people like me. And so I think we need Jesus' help. We need Jesus' help to expose our sham rules and to replace them with his good ones. We need him to show us where we've kind of been blindly following along with things. And, yeah, where those things lead to harm rather than to healing. And we, we need his power to break in there and to kind of reset the course for us. We need him to show us how to create rules to live by that give us life and that give life to those around us. And so what we're going to do now is um, spend some time just, I guess, contemplating what I've shared and inviting Jesus to speak with us and just actually highlight something from this. We'll highlight a little rule that you're living by. And then we're going to um, pray through a prayer together after, after a time, which is this really old prayer. It's like from the 5th century or something. Like that's really old. It's about kind of confessing the desires that can rule us, confessing the fears that can actually be the secret like driving agents in our lives. So we're going to just confess those things. And um, then I'll invite you guys to, to stand and worship. But we'll just stay seated for now and just reflect.